We are entering the final parak of our Masechta. It's always bittersweet to arrive at the end of a journey to the sweet waters of Torah. So here we are. Let's savor the beauty of Masechta's Yoma in these final dapim. The opening Mishnah lists the five prohibited activities of Yom Kippur. Achila and Shtia is one. Eating and drinking, that's considered one. Rechitza, to bathe, to, to cleanse. Sicha is to anoint. And the Ilas is sandal, to wear a to wear uh, certain kinds of shoes on Yom Kippur and Tashmi Shemita, intimate relations. The Mishnah also tells us how much measurement of food or drink is the minimum to be problematic. The Gemara initially tries to understand why the Mishnah uses the word Asur, to use the word prohibited by the eating and drinking prohibition, if in truth these violations of Yom Kippur carry a kares penalty. So the Mishnah should have said, not prohibited, but rather chayav. It's going to be a punishment. The answer given is that kares is only the punishment for the for eating the minimum smallest amount of food or drink. However, a chatzishir, a half measure of that smallest amount, would not warrant, would not result in a kares punishment. But it's still prohibited nonetheless. Therefore, our mission uses the term asur. It is, however, a debate that the Gemara brings whether chatzishir, whether consuming a chatzishir is prohibited on a Torah level, on a biblical level, or is it only prohibited rabbinically? This is a debate between Reish Lakesh and Rabbi Yochanan. The Gemara wonders, for Reish Lakesh, that it's only Midor and it's only rabbinic, should, he should not, the person who, who violates this should not have to bring a Korban Shvua. The person made an oath that they're not going to eat, and then they go ahead and they eat a half measure of a prohibited food item. Why does the Mishnah elsewhere say that a person who swears not to eat and then eats a Chatishir of Shratzim, for example, of of, of uh, animals or little rodents that are pr- prohibited to eat, that the Mishnah says that the person is obligated. The person is going to get the punishments. The Gemara finally asks why the Shvua should even work. So the Gemara jumps on its mission and says, What do you mean? Why should it even work? You can't make an oath on something that's already been prohibited by another oath. In other words, the Torah, prohib- the Torah prohibition is given at Harsinai to which the Torah provisions given our Sina were already sworn upon, already, already given us oaths. So the command says, no, 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 don't worry. This oath also included permitted foods. Therefore, the oath counts. Now, the assumption over here of the Gemara, is that this idea that there was an oath that, that stands, that was taken all the way back when the Torah was given, applies to all, everyone in all future generations. How does that concept work? So it's based on the principle that when the Jewish people accepted the Torah at Har Sinai, that, that also, that, that acceptance, that, that commitment also bound future generations to it as well. And this highlights one of the differences between the individual versus the state which the Machan Ephraim points out, and this is brought in the postgame, that if an individual makes a shvua, any person makes a shvua on their own, it's a personal obligation. That means that it does not get passed on to the children, but a nation's commitment, the oath and the commitment of a nation is binding for eternity on future generations. Therefore, Mushba Ba'omen Mar Sinai means that it's irrelevant whether I personally agree or disagree I have made or make a commitment to the mitzvot of the Torah. I and each of us are already considered to have committed to the Torah. Rabbi Breitowitz in, in Parshas Vyeshev, his Esses Tashin Ein Ches, calls this the corporate identity of the nation, which survives its members today, 1,000 years ago, 1,000 years into the future. 
when did the status actually change? Right away, it points to when Yaakov became Yisrael. Yaakov became Yisrael. We gained this corporate identity, going from individual to a nation with a mission and purpose. And the beauty of being a Jew is that each of us is born into this mission. We have already committed, as we enter the world, to be ambassadors of Hashem's word and values in our lives here in this world.